Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Pretty good. We're almost there, finally. It's just one more day. By the time this airs, it'll be tomorrow. Yep, pretty exciting. We're finally finally going to get in there. I, I am stoked. I'm ready to go. The last couple of weeks of spring training are always kind of a drag. We have yeah. been uh, absolutely filling the front page with content this week, too. So, um, yeah, readers who maybe haven't been on the site as much or are traveling or just hearing this, whatever, um, go, go, you know, kind of circle your way down the page a good ways because there's been just a ton of articles coming out this week. We've been prolific. Yeah, exactly. Getting uh, getting all the final prep in there. Um, released our pro- our projections, or our projections. We're not that good. Predictions. Our predictions <laughs> for the season today for the whole staff. Um, so that was that was up there. Um, nobody uh, nobody was terribly optimistic. I think somebody predicted 70-plus wins, but I think there was only one person who went over 70. So. That was bold. Yeah, yeah. I think my boldest guess was my NL uh, Cy Young win. Oh, who do you got? I picked Aaron Nola. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like I mean, that choice. Being outside, outside the box, box a little bit. Yep. Because I feel like nobody would have thought of DeGrom last year. No one would have thought of Blake Snell. So I'm, yeah. I'm f- trying something a little different there. Yeah, trying to go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone's, uh, you know, for betting purposes, if um, someone's looking for a long shot NL Cy Young candidate, I still really like Nick Pavetta from the Phillies. So That's a bold choice. Wow. Yeah, you know, if you're looking to bet a long shot and throw ten dollars on somebody who might actually return you some money, that might be a, a guy to give a give a whirl with. Um, who did I pick? Oh, I, you know, I did. I I took our boy Trevor, um, Trevor Bauer, in the for the AL Cy Young this year. <laughs> that was you. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I mean, he was gonna, you know, he was on pace to win it last year and got hit by a comebacker. So I just figure like mm, he's gonna come back out like totally motivated and probably he and Verlander and you know Garrett Cole are gonna duke it out again and everyone will pick Chris Sale because. For whatever reason, people can't get through their heads that Chris Sale can't pitch 200 innings or or even close to it in a season. Not that you have to, obviously. Blake Snell proved that last year, but man, I just Chris Sale so injury sketchy yeah. to me. I, I just can't quite. I can't put him up the, at the top. Well, I'm sure well, Bauer agrees with you for that ranking. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yep. There are a few people yeah. in this world who believe in Trevor Bauer more than Trevor Bauer. Yep. Maybe there just weren't any, and he had to, he had to do it all. <laughs> had to do it all, Ashley. That's that's where the psychology comes from. Which has fascinated and bewitched us yeah. all off season. Yeah. <laughs> and this has been your regular weekly Trevor Bauer minute. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I did anything. You know, who did you pick for uh, the Tigers breakout player? I think I had J- yeah, I had Jamer Candelario. Turnbull. Kind of thinking Turnbull. like if, oh yeah, yeah, Turnbull could, is a good choice. Speaking Somebody of. Somebody picked Daniel of. Norris and I was like, I don't know about Daniel Norris. But yeah, speaking. Spencer Turnbull not only made the rotation and will be one of the starting five, he will be the opening day at Comerica starting pitcher. Yeah, yep. That's pretty cool. That, that was, was pretty, pretty cool. Old choice. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, when you don't really have like, you know, like a great rotation full of veterans, I guess, you know, you can kind of just dole those things out as you want. But it's kind of a nice nod to him, I thought, yeah, to like, you know, give him the first look at home and um, you know, fans are perhaps a little bit over exuberant about him but um but you know he's he's an interesting pitcher um I'm I'm really excited to see him and I'm glad um I'm glad he's up even if I'm super annoyed about the whole Daniel Norris situation indeed yeah yeah I mean Spencer Turnbull when did we take he was he was the second round pick in the 2014 draft out of Alabama and 
you know, he's a big guy, um, you know, had a big fastball to begin with, and everybody really liked that pick, but um, he just had shoulder injury after shoulder injury um, for, for a couple of years, and just his command never really got any better. His secondary pitches um, didn't really come along that much, and he didn't really have a good breaking ball. And, you know, finally, like, I don't know, he had a little little issue early in 2017, and since then, he's been, for the most part, really healthy. And um, And when pitchers get healthy and they're young, they usually start taking some strides in their command, and... He did that. Um, his slider's looking a lot better. It's still kind of in, too inconsistent for me to look at him as much more than like a fourth or fifth starter guy. But um, that's what if he we gets need. That going, yep, that'll work just fine. Gets a lot of ground balls. Um, another really interesting note on him is that he had. I haven't looked enough. This is just a hard thing to search to be able to say this is true. But he has one of the the widest spreads in terms of spin rate between his four seamer and his sinker. Um, and you just don't see too many guys that have like an above average four seamer and, and, a, and a below average sinker, which is good, both good. Um, so he's got that going for him. Um, and yeah, he should be fun to watch. He's kind of got a little bit of Verlander in his, uh, in his mechanics kind of looks like him on the mound. Just, um, just don't expect that kind of production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll be all right. You might be squint real hard. It might seem, seem similar, but yep. not except, quite the same. Except for that red beard. Yeah. You know, and actually I talked to him, uh, on Twitter just brief, you know, just briefly, just because we mentioned that we should, you know, his his obvious nickname would be Red Bull, and uh, obviously, and yeah, and somehow this that word got to him, and so he chimed back in and was like, "Yep, that's got to be it." <laughs> I think that's <laughs> like, okay. even on B ref at this point. Is it? I think no, so. Good. Hold on. Good. I feel like well, it's on there that. though. We'll see what happens on Players Weekend. Are you going to take credit for that if he's got that on the back of his jersey? Yeah, I think I think that one is me. I, I didn't see that anywhere else until I came up with it. But it's so obvious they must they they must have called him that somewhere along the way. It just it's like it's you know Redbeard, Spencer Turnbull. Like what are you gonna do? And he's a you know kind of a big hard throwing guy. He has no nickname listed on his BRF. How is this possible? Oh, well, we'll have to get in touch with those and have that corrected. <laughs> yeah, change that. Good lord. Yep. So. All right, so the final roster did come out. So we know Spencer Turnbull's in there. Um, kind of the, the key takeaway there, though, is that Daniel Norris, instead of going to Toledo, um, at least to start with, is going to go to the bullpen to, it sounds like, pitch long relief. Um, yeah. It also kind of yeah. still felt like a very, like, tossed off, like, well, we'll just, you know, we'll throw him in the bullpen, and it's, I guess he'll just pitch long relief. It's very much like, oh, we have another seat on the bus. Uh, Daniel, you, you can come. Yep. He always just feels like an afterthought to me, and it's so disappointing. Yeah, it's just really weird. You know, it's like this coaching staff just, you know, just wasn't around to see him in 2016, um, you know, and having two years of injury. You know, you'd think people would be excited for him to <laughs> to come back. Obviously, he hasn't had a great spring, but he's still working through uh, all the delivery issues. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I still like the idea of sending him to Toledo to start for a couple months, and maybe that'll happen after um, after the first road trip. But yeah, they just don't seem to like really have any kind of plan or idea for him. And you know, it's just weird to see like you know Matt Moore and like Tyson Ross like being prioritized over him. I mean, we saw what you know Mike Fires pitched really well for us last year, and we saw what a you know a decent <laughs> kind of you know mid tier veteran starter can get you in in trade, and it isn't Absolutely. that much. Absolutely, but it's still so, something. I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah, it is something. Yeah. And I don't know. I really find it hard to believe they're just going to keep him in the bullpen all year just because there's no one at Toledo then to, you know, we thought we'd have Spencer Turnbull as the guy you'd call up. Um, It seems like they've got to have Norris down there for that. Um, You know, they seem to like Ryan Carpenter, but um, nobody else I know (laughs) has seen anything from Ryan Carpenter that they really liked all that much. So I don't know. I'm not real sure what's uh, what's going on there. But um, one way or the other, like obviously Daniel Norris has to pitch better. And if he does... 
you know, he'll make his own opportunities. It just feels like, you know, if he was a 25-year-old prospect, everybody would be super stoked and they'd be taking good care of him and, you know, keeping him on a schedule and, and kind of doing all those player development things you do to help the guy out um, as they're as they're working their way back. And with Daniel Norris, it's like we're talking about a busted down, like, 31-year-old or something. I don't understand. I really don't understand. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it bums me out. Yeah, it bums me out as well. Um, but... You know, if he can get it together, his time will come. So we'll just have to see how they play it. Um, the Tigers are obviously going to use a lot of different pitchers this year. It's probably going to be a carousel rotating between Toledo and Detroit. So yes, I made some suggestions that they won't take, but they should. Like what? What you got? I wrote in a whole article. You read it. I know I did. <laughs> I was going to let you talk about no, it. No, we, we talked about it pretty much last week. So my cat is trying like, to ah, steal my it. power cable as I do this to try and murder my laptop. But, um, yeah, I kind of toggled with the ideas of a four-man rotation with kind of switching between Norris, Hardy, and, um, and Turnbull in, the, in the, the fourth, like in the fifth man spot. And then a similar kind of three-man rotation doing the same thing with your other two days. And then I did suggest just doing straight, true bullpenning, kind of taking on the Rays um, opener strategy, which I think they could actually pull off right now. I think they have the uh, the pieces to do it. Yeah, so. Yeah, I agree. And it, it was really, um, really something everybody should take a look at. Um, you know, it does make a lot of sense. And obviously you write for D-Rays Bay and edit for them as well. So you kind of had a firsthand seat for how the Rays went about it last year. I, um, I was there ridiculous in success. the clubhouse for a Sergio Romo start. So yeah, firsthand. Absolute awareness. That's awesome. Did you get to talk to Sergio no, it was Romo? A, because it was a start, I did not get to talk yeah. to him ahead of the game. So I talked to Oh, and you didn't get to go down after? No, I missed out. Sergio Romo seems like he'd be a fun guy to talk to. This was pre-puppy. I would have been pretty stoked to talk to him after he got his puppy. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's <laughs> a cute little French bulldog. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, French bulldog is popular with uh, Major League pitchers. Yeah, you especially um, ones in town. Yeah, well, Dave, yep, David, Price, David Price got one down there. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, there was a whole story. I can't remember who wrote it. I think it was, it might even have been Lindsay Adler um, on The Athletic writing about um, the Boston Red Sox and they're just like, absolute like dog crazy clubhouse that they've they've kind of yeah. put together over the past uh, couple apparently years apparently jd martinez wanted to get a dog for the team yeah to keep on the <laughs> keep in the clubhouse basically oh my god <laughs> yeah he was just saying you know you're gone too much to like have a dog and like take take the kind of care of them and spend the time with them you need and so a lot of the guys don't have a dog i don't know rick porcello got a puppy last year i remember that so I think it helps too with the guys like with long term girlfriends. Like Nick got a dog this year. He got a beautiful Neapolitan Mastiff puppy, puppy, and I think her name is Lola. Oh, nice. Um, and he's got that as an option, right? Because he does have a long term girlfriend. So I think it helps when you're sharing that responsibility with somebody who maybe isn't moving around as much. Yeah, you've got a co parent, <laughs> co parent yeah, situation. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what goes better with baseball than dogs, other than the occasional poor terrified cat on the field doing all kinds of wild gymnastics to escape which always makes me like feel terrible and also like totally excited and fascinated at the same time like oh look there's a cat there's a cat on the field yeah where did it come from oh my god so yeah so the other i guess the other kind of um the other news is that jacoby jones you know suffered an ac sprain running into the wall about 
Eh, almost a week ago, and um, it seems like he's gonna it was miss. Saturday. Yeah, it seems like he's gonna miss. Oh, was it? It seems like he's gonna miss. I don't know. It's hard to say, but at least a couple weeks. It doesn't feel like it's gonna be like a. You know, he's he's on the IL. Everybody remember, it's gonna be called the IL now, not the DL. Injured list. Injured list. Kids. We're all trying to practice. I gotta say. Speaking of the injured list, my favorite thing in the world right now is watching Bob Nightingale say oh, no. DL and having his entire response field just fill with people correcting him. Oh, and yeah. it is, I don't know why it gives me so much life, but it's so funny. You know, Bob Nightingale um, needs a lot of correcting generally. So there, there's a yeah. whole host of people who have made it their, their mission in life. Just waiting. So, yeah him to tweet to do, get something wrong but yeah we're probably gonna mess it up we're trying not to um i had to give uh, tried evan, to curb ahead of the time yeah evan woodbury from uh, m live did it yesterday and i i got right in on him about that one and then and yeah looked again later and yep oh whole host of replies everybody like no it's il now it's like everybody's just waiting for an opportunity to correct you so yeah we're, we're trying to get ahead of the curve on that but we've got a lot of practice because like you said jacoby jones was placed on the 10-day il and uh drew verhagen was yeah. also placed on the 10-day IL. Yep, so that opened up a spot in center field, and it opened up a spot in the bullpen, and um, it seems like the Tigers aren't really going to try to fill the center field role. Um, you know, we'd all, we all kind of joked about wanting to see Daz Cameron, um, even knowing that's not going to happen, because Daz Cameron just absolutely raged um, all spring training long and hit a grand slam on Sunday as the Tigers prospects basically like put on a some kind of advertising campaign for themselves by just absolutely thrashing the Blue Jays. It was um, beautiful. It really it, that, that might be the most fun game you guys will see all year. You know, Miggy had a you know RBI double to left and then crushed one to straightaway center for another home run. Miguel Cabrera had five home runs this spring, folks. Um, as long as he's healthy, he looks great right now. So please, mm-hmm. God, give us that that small thing for for the season because there isn't going to be so much else to get real excited about. But having Miggy in there with um, Kristen Stewart and Nick Castellanos, um, as long as he's around, um, would uh, would really give the Tigers a, a pretty nice heart of the order um, and should should make for a lot better offense than last year, or at least a more exciting one. So. We have that to look forward to. But with Jacoby Jones out, um, it looks like, what, they're just going to go Nico Goodrum and Mikey Matuk in center field. Um, what did you What did you think about that, especially considering that Nico Goodrum had really never played center field? <laughs> yeah, I think they're actually going to use him more in the infield for a little bit of spare spare warmth on that bench. Um, I don't really see him patrolling the outfield a heck of a lot. I know they've said that, but I don't think it's going to happen that often. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, I would like to see him play right field a lot in Nick Castellanos' DH, because I'm pretty sure Nico will be a better defender out there. Um, he's faster. I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he might not be great. I mean, Nico doesn't have a, a particularly good glove hand. Um, if he did, he'd probably be playing second base for us this year full-time. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to imagine they're going to run him out there regularly, um, especially at home. You know, like putting a dude out in one of the biggest center fields in the game uh, in cold weather um, just seems like a, a pretty nasty trick to pull on a young guy. So, yeah, expect to see Mikey out there probably. Um, they tried Dustin Peterson yesterday, but um, there's nothing in his profile that says he, he'd be able to play out there um, even as well as those two can. He's not very fast, doesn't have much of an arm. Um, he's just like a solid defender, but yeah, not in Comerica Park, kids. So, yeah, so I don't know. Hopefully uh, Jacoby won't be too long. I don't know. We've seen people suggesting everything from, um, well, our buddy Jen Cozy is constantly screaming for Austin Jackson, which would be fun <laughs> for a little bit. Um, you know, like the, we could bring the whole band back together because Cameron Maben was released from the Giant. Um, Rajai Davis is still available. Rajai Davis is out there still. 
I think yep. Grandy, does Grandy sign a minor league deal somewhere or is he still out there? No, he, I think he did sign a, a minor league deal, but I can't remember where it was. Ah. Or if he actually came out of camp with that deal still in place. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, Marlins, that's tomorrow. right. He signed with the oh. Marlins. Oh, yeah. So, and the Marlins don't really have a whole lot going on, so they, you know, they might as well just play him. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the outfield defense was going to be pretty bad probably anyway, and having Jacoby out for a couple weeks isn't going to affect that one way or the other. So, um, And he wasn't really having a very good spring at the plate, unfortunately. Um, there's a lot of stuff they've been working on him with, and it, it didn't really seem to click yet. Um, but then again, Grapefruit League numbers don't matter. You don't know what guys are working on, whether or not they're just trying their best, or whether or not they're focused on you know some specific mechanics thing or whatever. So... Yeah, hard to get a beat on him from that, so we'll just have to wait a little bit and see what Jacoby's got um, when he comes back. And, yeah, and as far as Drew Furhagen being out, I don't know, I still it still feels like the bullpen, like, at least, like, the, the front four or five guys are, should be pretty solid. Um, what Kind of, what are you expecting from the bullpen this year? Um, um. The usual chaos and woe. I actually think <laughs> yeah, it might be better that, than, than I, it has been I for think you're years. right. I think it's going to be better than the usual disaster. Like, my running joke every year is that my pinned tweet for the entire higher season is like oh yes the tigers bullpen has arrived um and i don't know if i'm gonna have to do that this year because i think what we got right now we got green Jimenez, hardy farmer victor alcantara reed garrett yeah um daniel stump and daniel norris um so i mean that's a pretty decent collection um and i'm leaning pretty hard on the word decent yeah like it could Um, be good but it's still very fungible beyond the two or three best guys pretty good de- like like depth there like for long relief with hardy with norris even with farmer yeah um uh, it does give you a little bit of flexibility there which i like and green is fine as our closer yeah um i mean i'm not mad at him <laughs> yeah so he's just inconsistent you know you just don't know like what's going on with his hand from from outing to yeah, outing well, exactly and, with the numbness yeah. and like the the finger issues that he's had. Yeah. He'll look Um, great, you know, for two or three weeks and then just blow up for a week or two too. So, but yeah. And then you got Joe. Joe. That's the big ticket item right there. Joe's the, Joe's the star attraction in the bullpen. Um, It'll be fun watching him kind of in his second full season and kind of seeing if he can take another little step forward. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I think he's going to be good this year. I don't know. Um, I think it's a decent lineup. I mean, it's not, you know, let's head to the World Series, but it'll get us through some games. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the, like the, the offense should be better than last year. Um, the defense probably is a wash and still won't be very good. The rotation probably isn't as good, especially with Michael Fulmer out. We don't really have that to lean on. Um, Turnbull in there is kind of a kind of a wild card, and Norris is still a wild card. But then... You know, they, it feels like they should be able to protect leads in the bullpen. Like they're they're going to be running experiments um, with the final two guys, you know, all season long. Um, I don't know if Buck Farmer really has much more life left in him if he doesn't really pitch pretty darn well in the in the early going. Because we're finally getting to the point where they've got guys like Zach Houston. Um, we saw Jose Cisnero in mm-hmm. spring training, um, who looked like a better version of Reed Garrett, basically. Um, Reed Garrett's up because if the Tigers don't keep him on the 25-man roster, he would have to be returned to the Texas Rangers, um, which is the same situation Victor Reyes was in last year. Um, I don't know if they'll hang with Reed Garrett the way they did Victor Reyes. They love them some Victor Reyes, um, but not enough to call Victor Reyes up to play center field right now. So I don't know what that says, but... 
Yeah, I 100% have to forgot that Reed Garrett played on this team. Yeah, he's just been sort of like, yeah, yeah, that guy who comes out and is kind of wild, throws hard, you know, that guy. But can I, can I address the fact that Gordon Beckham made the opening day roster? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Please do, because when you were um, saying that, yeah, Nico's going to play more in the infield, I thought, like, man, I hope he does. <laughs> but I don't know. Because Gordon Beckham, y'all, like, that was a decision that was sure made. <laughs> by someone. <laughs> yeah, that was a decision. Sure like, was. And I, I wrote about Gordon Beckham when we they'd originally like announced that they would be bringing him to spring camp. And I said, yeah, chances are good. You'll see him play at the big league level at some point. That was my big thing. I'm like, sometime someone's going to get hurt. Gordon Beckham will probably get a call up. He's going to be there. Like, but a guy who hit for 182 last year is on our opening day roster and was in 22 games last season. Yep. And this is a guy, you know, like Pete Cosma, you know, is kind of another example of that player. And I think maybe we both thought like, yeah, Gordon Beckham might be this year's Pete Cosma. Like he'll be the veteran guy at Toledo who you can call up and he can play, you know, a bunch of positions defensively and be fine and maybe kind of raise up the, the kids for you on the farm and, and help do a little bit of mentoring and coaching. But to have him on your, ah, to have him on your your opening day roster, um, you know, this is a guy who isn't like over the hill. He's a guy who never was. You know, he's he's a he's a guy who was a top draft pick and just never never did anything for the White Sox, anything at all. Was never even hit to like an average level for a season. And here he is um, getting a starting a starting job on the Tigers. And man, it's just one of those decisions where I, you know, I'm sure Gordon Beckham is a great dude, and I hate seeing everyone put in the position where because the Tigers are, are making these decisions, everyone is just killing Gordon Beckham. Like, you know, get that bum out of here. He's terrible. It's like, yeah, talk to your GM. You know, maybe, uh, maybe the bum um, is, is sitting uh, in the uh, front behind office. a desk. Yeah. Yeah. Part, so pretty wonders if they picked him up thinking they'd signed Tim Beckham. And then when he got to camp, uh, they're like, Oh, Oh, wrong one. Oh, we got the wrong one. <laughs> I know. A lot of us would have liked to have gotten Tim Beckham for a year. Tim just Beckham to see would if have been a very welcome, out. welcome choice. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I just don't know what the point of of having a guy like Gordon Beckham is. Like the Tigers could could have picked up someone like Logan Morrison, or you know, there's there's like first basemen who are actual first basemen who could hit. Um, you know, with some lefty power, there there's just some options like that. They could have they could have gone for and had a bat on the bench, someone to spell Miggy. Um, you know, they're probably going to use Nico, I assume, that way somewhat too. But I don't know. Are we going to see John Hicks a whole bunch at first base with everything just clanging off the uh, iron glove he was carrying over there last year? I don't know. Yes, I think that's 100% what we're uh, going to see. You're right. I do know. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to leave it open-ended and have some optimism. But yeah, I don't know. Sorry. It seems to be the way it's going to go. And I'll be happy for it if it means that we keep Miguel Cabrera healthy for the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing, you know, it, it, it kind of goes back with the Daniel Norris thing. Like the Tigers have two things, like they've got player development, like, which is the rebuild, like building everything up and bringing along your young players and, you know, getting guys in the b- best position to succeed. And then there's the, you know, the Ron Gardenhire side of it is like, oh, we want to win every game. You know, we're going out there with this attitude. We've got to win. And that's fine. Like Ron Gardenhire has to, has to kind of think that way, but that's why the Tigers front office needs to step in and give him these parameters. Like Miguel Cabrera is, you know, going to, going to DH 50 games, you know, and he's going to get, you know, a day off like every other week. Like you you need to mandate those kind of things because Mm -hmm. otherwise Miguel Cabrera is going to, going to tell you who he wants to play. And, you know, when he's 60, he's still going to be like, Hey, 
you want me in the lineup, I'm in. So 162, you guys. Yeah, there's no baseball player ever who, unless they were really injured, has ever has ever you know passed on going out there to play in a game. So, um, you know, there's there's got to be some oversight from the from the front office on some of these things. And then when they put Gordon Beckham in there, you know, you just wonder like, you know, okay, I'm I'm gonna guess that was a Ron Garden hire decision. Um, in the end, it's like they're just throwing darts it's like who do we need for a spare oh gordon beckham's coming yep and you know it's so funny because going all the way but you know we this is three managers now you know you think it like, like might be the manager and i just said like maybe it's garden hair but it's this it's the organizational culture in the front office like they, they love that guy um they love having that guy who can play a bunch of different positions even if they can't hit and no one understands it. Like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense because you can always call someone up you know like yeah okay if a guy gets hurt mid-game you know, all right, maybe, you know, you're out of luck for a couple innings, but big deal. But uh, but the Tigers love to carry a guy like that who really shouldn't be playing in the major leagues and doesn't really have a role and isn't young enough to develop. And I don't know, it's fairly inexplicable. Um, you know, and all the all the homers will be out there like, oh, it's no big deal. Everybody always makes a big deal about the 25th man and blah, blah, blah. And of course, it's not a big deal. It's just, uh, it's just unfathomable. It just yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of yeah. sense for a roster spot. It's not important, but it boggles the mind. Yeah. Yeah, the things that are important like don't really have anything to do with like the actual major league <laughs> roster right now anyway. So, you know, we're, we're scratching the surface trying to find what we can. We got to um, talk about something once a week, you guys. That's right. Got to got to bring you that content. Um speaking of bringing you the the bold content, it, <laughs> managing editor Rob Rojacki um came out with five bold predictions for the 2019 season. I just kind of wanted to I'm not going to go through the like Miguel Cabrera runs, returns to his old self. Um, that would be nice. I don't want to talk about it because it will just jinx it. Don't jinx it. Um, the bullpen is a top five unit in the American League. That's pretty bold. Oh, that is bolder, Jackie. Yep, I thought that was pretty bold. I, I don't hate it because I kind of said the same thing. Like, I think that the bullpen could actually be good because um, we do have some arms at Toledo and, and coming along that, that could help out along the way as well. But you just have to wonder, like, you know, any anybody who's good, you know, in the first half is is likely trade bait in July, and that's why this team is just so hard to forecast. I could, if I looked at the roster, I was I kept thinking like, eh, I bet this team can win seventy four games. But then you realize like, even if they're playing well enough to win seventy four games, they're not going to have the same team in August and September anyway. So no. it's hard, hard to factor that in. Um, if Daniel Norris stays in the bullpen all year, all year, um, that uh, that would probably make the bullpen better. But um, again, possibly not the make best use. Sad. Yeah, not the best use of Daniel Norris, unless, you know, unless he turns into Josh Hader or Andrew Miller, in which case, fine. Yeah. But I'd like to see it planned rather than just being like, eh, just stick him on the back of the bus and we'll find some innings for him. And know. that's my thing. I'm like, if you want to turn Daniel Norris into a relief pitcher, commit to that. Yeah. Be like, Daniel, we're going to start using you in those scenarios and we're going to like really hone in on a certain number of your pitches and we're going to do these things that will make you the best possible relief pitcher we can have you be as opposed to being, well, we'll use you here for now, but we really do think of you as a starter, Daniel, like just commit to the relief role if that's where you're going to use him and then make the most of it. Yep, exactly. And, you know, and if if it all works out and the Tigers trade a starter midway through the season or for any other number of reasons, Daniel Norris can get a shot again. But but do things in a systematic way that are, are you know, not based around what the team needs, but based around developing him, getting him back in the best shape, 
he can be and giving him every chance to fulfill his p- potential because it's still probably higher than anybody on the you know in the starting rotation. You know, maybe Matt Boyd has a little bit bigger year in him. I kind of think he might this year. Um, Spencer so. Turnbull so could too. be kind of good, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I still, I still want to uh, fully invest in Daniel Norris for one more year. Um, now that he's got the groin issues behind him, and you know that's another thing. Like, what, what is up with this team and like <laughs> letting these guys like pitch with with issues like this? Like, we had Justin Verlander come back too soon from groin surgery and nearly blow yeah. his shoulder out. They let Michael Fulmer. I, you know, I can't. We never know enough to like slam the Tigers for this, and it would be. It would be irresponsible for me to say that I know this or anything, but you just have to wonder, like, Michael Fulmer was, you know, six, seven miles per hour down from his normal velocity all spring, and they just kind of kept sending him up until it was finally like, well, he's going to need to, you know, all right, we're going to step back and just let him throw bullpens and work on his explosiveness, and then he blows his elbow out, and you're like, ah, why, why didn't you guys just shut him down and let him get in whatever shape he needed to get in? You could work in your delivery without throwing baseballs. Um... So yeah, I don't know. It's it's just hard to have faith in these guys' decision making. Sometimes they do some baffling it things. It definitely leads to some big question marks. That's for sure. I don't know what they're thinking a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, everybody does these things. You know, other teams have pitching injuries all the time. It's hard to deal with pitcher injuries, and maybe we're all a little overreactive to that because we had the primes of Justin Verlander. Max Scherzer, oh, it hurts just to list it all off. Anibal Sanchez, where all those guys were super healthy for a couple of years and throwing 200 innings and were just absolutely dominant. Um, all right, and then one more bold prediction he threw out was Kristen Stewart is a deserving AL Rookie of the Year candidate. Candidate. <laughs> no, no, I buy it. Yeah. I think he's. I think Rob makes a good point. He's not going to win it because it, Vlad Jr. exists in the AL. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And will be up this year. Yep. Um, As will Eloy, no. Eloy Jimenez from the White Sox, who might actually be the better overall player um, this year. And who just signed a big extension before ever making a... Yep. Like, before making it to the big show, which is pretty impressive. Yep. Like, they gave him, like, eight It really shows you what the White Sox think. It's incredible. Um, but, no, I'd, I'd say Christian Stewart's going to be in the mix for discussion. Yep. I think so, like, too. It's very much the same way I say that Joey Wendell deserved some consideration. Yeah. For rookie of the year, but you know he's not going to win when like guys like Shohei Otani are here. Yeah, but like, but he did have a still, heck of a season. Yeah, a great season, and you want to acknowledge that. And I think that that's what we're going to get here. Yeah, and the, you know, and the Rays have you know Brandon Lowe coming this year, and and maybe Brent Honeywell. Um, there's 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 chances it's for Lau. the Rays to pick it up. Is it Lau? It rhymes with Wow. Oh, I had no idea. Brandon La- Brandon yeah. Wow. <laughs> so Brand, yeah, so many puns, but yeah, it's Brandon Lau. Oh, and then there's Nate low in the raised system as well oh dear god damn they it. both spell them the same so <laughs> damn it Rays. i'm sorry no it's all right but yeah you know you know vladimir guerrero jr um is going to start the season hurt um you know you just don't know what the blue jays plan is they're probably going to be even more careful than they were already going to be just to game his service time um cool. so you never know he it, might only end up getting you know three four months worth of worth of action whereas it seems like eloy jimenez is going to be up right away um, Stewart's going to be up right away. And between those two, Kristen Stewart is probably the readier bat of the two, even though he's not, um, the defense is always going to, going to kind of hurt his overall war and, and metrics. Um, as a hitter, he and Eloy are pretty, pretty comparable. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's not impossible. Kristen Stewart could just come out and just go nuts. Um, hitting behind Miggy and, and Nick Castellano says it looks like he might, um, or even in front of him. Yeah. And do really well. Um, so. 
Speaking of of prospects of getting the call up, though, Fernando Tatis Jr. is actually going to make the opening day roster for the Padres. Um, it's pronounced so, Tatis. Is it really? <laughs> yep, it is. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Oh, we're see, we're both learning like like last name lessons here. Tatis. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh man, I like that. Yeah, I'm excited about that because I had him stashed on a bunch of fantasy teams, and uh, and here 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 he comes. It's going to be awesome. So. Speaking of mispronouncing names, here's one that you're going to love because this is like before I was a, like an invested Tigers fan and I didn't know anything about Tigers history and I was like reading up on it and I discovered the existence of Al Kaline. Oh, yeah. But when you don't know who Al Kaline is, you will gleefully look at that name and be like, his name is Alkaline. Oh. <laughs> It is 100% alkaline. Oh, weird. I've never thought of that before. Right? Well, because if you don't know, then you look at that name and you're like, yeah, that his name is alkaline. (laughs) And my boyfriend at the time just sneered at me. And he's like, K-line. How dare you? (laughs) Like, I know. He was so offended. And I'm like, this name is hilarious. (laughs) And he's like, how dare you besmirch the name of Al-K-line. Mr. Tiger. My God. (laughs) <laughs> it is funny that yeah he's he so, was you know he he was definitely the the spark um to the tigers in 68 yeah you're welcome so <laughs> so yeah it makes sense that he'd be alkaline uh, there you go yeah that is funny that was a terrible terrible joke there, there's a lot of them like um yeah there, there's a lot of kind of behind the scenes networking that goes on between baseball writers when a new player comes up to like figure out like yeah how to spell their name or pronounce it um yeah there's uh there's a lot of a lot of fascinating baseball names out there not to mention just dealing with other cultures and languages and, you know, not wanting to butcher those things. And what was it? It was like Alcantara versus Alcantara. Um, yeah. And I think Anibal versus Anibal. Yeah. We've, we've just had so many where the struggle and was I real. Victor changed the accent oh, for Alcantara this year to match with, because I think we have two Alcantaras kicking around, don't we? Yeah, we got Sergio, who's a shortstop prospect. Yep. Yeah, so they, they changed it to match, I think. Oh, really? To oh, make it funny. easier for the pronunciations. Oh, that's nice of those guys. Well, like when they sent yeah. out the guides, there was like an a change in one of the A exclamations um, for Victor. And I think it was um, Evan Woodbury might have pointed it out or somebody pointed out that the change was it matches so that they're the same pronunciation now. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it can be hard for us. Like, for whatever reason, like, all the Tigers got on that thing where they wanted their whole first name spelled out last year. And, like, I, I just want to stab myself for having to type Nicholas all the time instead of Nick oh, Matthew Boyd constantly. You're... Like, listen, both of you, if you ever happen to listen to this. Yeah, I got wor- I got words for you. <laughs> As somebody with a six-letter first name and a nine-letter last name, um, <laughs> you should not be allowed to do that if you already have a very long and somewhat hard to spell last name like Castellanos. Yeah, or Castellanos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you should have to keep it short. Like I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like if you it's it's just let like let people call you Nick. Oh my god, my cat literally just about closed my laptop. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh really... my god, Dottie, stop. It does, it does feel like when you get into the league, like you should have to decide right away and that's it. Like we already started printing baseball cards, bro. It's over. You're Nick. You're Nick for good. That's all you get. Yep. I understand, like, you know, it's a tribute to his father, etc. That's and that's fine. So I'll 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 type it all out, but only under protest. <laughs> You know, in reading Rob's bold predictions article, I realized that it bears a great similarity to the 
reasons the Tiger the 2019 Tigers will be a lot more fun than last year's version article that I'm writing. <laughs> we have almost the same, a lot of the same things. One of his predictions is that the Tigers finish in second place, which personally I think is madness, but it does kind of express express the fact that this is a awful division, and yeah. the, the Indians have done nothing to improve, and in fact have gotten worse. Um, and aren't particularly threatening in any way other than still looking like, yeah, they'll probably manage to win the division just because that rotation's so good, and they still have Lindor and Ramirez, but that's about it. You know, Cody Allen and Andrew Miller, those days are over. Um, There's no Ed Wing down at first base, no Michael Brantley. Like, that. you know, that outfield is weak. (laughs) It's not looking good out there. So, yeah, I'm not sure, but... um, but it I should think make the, the twins could pull something out, but I don't yeah. know. They could... yeah. If I was going to pick somebody else, yeah, it would definitely be the twins. And, and those two teams kind of seem like they stand out from the rest of us. But, um, but when, it, when there's that much parody in a division, um, especially when it's kind of bad parody, you just never know. They're like the tigers, you know, we're in, you know, pretty close to first place for three months last year. Um, and there were better teams that they were, that they were chasing. Um, the White Sox haven't gotten really any better. They're going to bring up Eloy Jimenez, but, um, none of their pitchers have worked out. Um, a lot of their top prospects have gotten injured. Yeah. Not really. No, you know, they've got like, you know, they've got Kyle Zimmer, who's kind of looked interesting this spring as a pitcher, but they also lost Sal Perez. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's not a whole lot going on there either. So, um, that may, may make for some fun just because it should be, you know, fairly competitive anyway, which is, I don't know, at least something to look forward to. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine the Tigers just getting trucked unless they have a lot of injuries. I don't think there's uh, the, the potential for like a 50-win season or anything like that in there. <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think they're actually a little better than they were last year, maybe. Yep. And that, you know... Really, that kind of wraps up the, the Tigers' the Tigers news. Um, we'll, we'll kind of see what goes on, and then opening day will be Thursday. And I'm kind of thinking, like, maybe I'll do, like, a little short podcast after opening day just to kind of, I don't know, just kind of catch people up or see what went on in the first game. We'll see if I'm inspired by, uh, by whatever takes place in the field. Um, but what we're going to talk about next is um, kind of the slew of extensions um, that, that have gone on over the past two weeks. And then we will do... We kind of just did an AL Central preview. Maybe we should just do the NL Central preview right now and then switch to the <laughs> extension talk and wrap it, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, we really did just break down where we think things are going to end up. I think it'll be... I segued you know, and I didn't even know it. Indians, Twins. I think Tigers, White Sox will be 3-4, depending on that arrangement might flip if the White Sox pull something out. I think they've got the, the pieces there, like the raw potential, but I don't know if they've got it quite put together yet. Yeah. Um, I think the Royals are going to be right at the bottom. Yeah. You know, some of the projections like the Royals better. And I mean, I really, I really did not understand that. Um, Some of them have like the Royals at 74 wins and my brain almost exploded. I'm like, what are you looking at that I'm not seeing? Yeah. I mean, if you walk through it, like they actually have the Cleveland, the Picota anyway, has Cleveland Indians projected to win 97 games, which seems like madness. Oh, that's bonkers. Um, yeah. No. They got the Twins winning 82, the Royals winning 73, the White Sox at winning 69, and us winning 66. And I do not understand how you get the, the Kansas City Royals to 73 wins with that. that you know, there's, there's like nothing there. It's like Whit Merrifield, um, you know, Adalberto Mondesi is kind of a wild card. Like if he hits, he could be a superstar of the... I don't know, Francisco Lindor kind of variety, but um, but he his hit tool has always been really suspect, and we'll just have to see if he can carry over some of what he did last year. But even even in that best-case scenario, that's like two 
two bats, and there is not a whole lot else um, behind all that. So I don't know. Good, good for them, I guess. <laughs> Enjoy um, the White Sox. Yeah, the White Sox do have Yuan Mankata, um, who's been up a year or two and has has just been an, an absolute windmill, um, but does have a ton of raw power and speed. Um, you guys may remember him. He came over in the Chris tra- in the Chris Sale trade from Boston and was their top prospect and was also like the number two prospect in baseball, which which tells you that even a guy who's that hardly regard highly regarded by everyone, um, the first couple of years can be can be pretty rough when you come up young. So. I don't know. Maybe he'll get it together, but I look around the rest of the diamond. It's like eh, Jose Abreu, you know. Okay, you know, solid first baseman, and that's kind of about it. Right? Will, yeah, exactly. They'll have Eloy. You know, Eloy will price slot into right field, and um, that'll give them some thump. But yeah, there's not a whole lot there either. Um, the Twins, the Twins are definitely interesting, just because they've kind of got a potential ace in Jose Barrios. Um, Kyle Gibson well, was pretty good last year. They actually did stuff this off season. Yeah, they made enough moves to kind of make you know make themselves kind of stand out a little bit. Um, I can't even remember what all those moves are. <laughs> they got Nelson Cruz. They got Cruz. Yeah. That was the big one. Yeah. And as a Rays fan, I'm very annoyed about it. Yeah, he'll like that uh, that ballpark, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And they still got. Well, he'll like being he'll like being in Comerica. Oh like yeah. Half nine games a year or whatever we're working it at. Yeah, out too. Yeah, there's nothing he loves better than hitting Tigers pitching. Ugh. And if he can hit Verlander, he's probably going to do well with the rest of them. <clears throat> um, you know, they've got a decent bullpen. They they picked up Blake Parker, um, who had been with the Angels last year. They've got Trevor May. Those are kind of their their back end guys. Um, they picked up Michael Pineda, who um, was always like kind of this mercurial, occasionally great starting pitcher for the Yankees. Um, he is coming back um, off of injury and maybe a suspension. I can't even remember what went on with Michael Pineda. I always associate him with the um, the spitball. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm selling him short there. I'm not sure if he actually did anything wrong. Um, you know, they've got Jorge Polanco, who's a pretty nice shortstop. Um, they picked up Jonathan Scope um, to play some second base for him. CJ Crone. So, yeah, I don't know. There's just some interesting guys. And then they got Marwin Gonzalez, um, who's, you know, kind of like the, the rug in the Great Lebowski. You know, he's, he's the one who will... <laughs> Hold it all Holds together. the room together. Yeah. Oh my God, Dottie. <laughs> Dottie's very needy today. She is driving me mental right now. Yeah, this is what happens. Um, I, I was just saying before we got out in the air, like the the week baseball starts, it, it looks like my life just like completely goes to chaos for a couple weeks because work is just as busy as normal, and then there's all this. There's media requests, like it's just, and then it just seems like everybody else needs stuff that that same week too. It's just like, oh, everybody's uh, just gonna pick away at you. However, Except Daddy is case, super it's cute. The cat. It's yeah, a cat Daddy apparently needs yeah. all of it. Daddy's such a such a cute lover. No, I'm sure. I'm yeah. glad you think so. <laughs> I'll take her. Yeah, you just hand her right over. I'll take Daddy. You can. <laughs> um, all right, let's move over to the NL Central because while the AL Central is is fairly barren, um, the NL Central might be the most interesting division in baseball. In the mm-hmm. baseball, who who do you project to win the NL Central? The Brew Crew. Oh, nice. So do I, actually. Yeah, I picked them as well. I think it'll be Brewers, Cards, Cubs, Pirates, Reds. But I really am very interested to watch the Reds this season. I know we've talked about this a lot. I'm not going to dive into it too 
too much because we have gone on many a red tangent, but I, <laughs> I think they're going to be really interesting this year because they like the twins actually made moves this off season. And I don't know if it's enough to get them out of that last place spot, but I like to see last place teams try. Yeah. And it the, appeals to me. So, yeah. I mean, why not try, you know, like Joey Vado's not getting any younger, like get on with it for God's sakes. So, yeah. But I mean, the cards got, and then just extended Paul Goldschmidt, um, I think the Brewers are still still they're pretty close to what they had last year, so I think that's tight enough to to keep them going. Yeah, they picked uh, up Yasmani Grandal, who's a you know really really good behind the plate and a really good hitting catcher who I think will will show out in that park. Um, they got Moose back, um, so that infield is solid, and they've got they just have a lot of depth too. The uh, you know Milwaukee's rotation doesn't look that great. Um, Corey Canable, you know, their bullpen with Hader, Jeffries, and Corey Canable looked like they were just going to be kind of legendary for a few years. Um, Corey Canable's having some more elbow issues, and I don't know kind of how he's going to hold up long term, but um, they, they have a lot of arms on the farm, too. And they've got Keston Hura, who's a second base prospect, who's one of the, the better hitting infield prospects in the game, and he's about ready, too. So they've got him they can call up. They've got Travis Shaw mixing around the infield. So, yeah. I, I I like that team, and it's maybe it's more that I'm just not totally convinced about anybody else. Like the Cardinals, just seem to have a lot of there's just a lot of injury questions in that rotation. Obviously, they got Paul Goldschmidt, um, and they locked him up to a I think a five year extension, um, which is you know which is big for them. Um, but I don't know. I I, I kind of need to see them on the field to to fully believe it. Uh, Pakota actually has the Reds and the Pirates at 80 wins apiece, tied Ow. for third. Um, the Reds do have like Luis Castillo. Um, they've got Rizal Iglesias in the bullpen. There's some good arms there and there's a couple more coming. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure they've got the pitching either, but you know, having Vado, Puig, Eugenio Suarez out there, um, they're going to have Iggy. It looks like at shortstop because Scooter Jeanette blew out something or other. I can't even remember if it was his knee or his shoulder, but he's hurt. No, not Scooter. Yeah. So yeah, they could be interesting. And then, yeah, the Cubs though, having the Cubs last. Like I'm worried about the Cubs too, but I don't know if I. I'm not sure if I go that far. To to, to put them last is like a little no, hard. That seems almost like vindictive. Yeah, almost smug. Although it's a computer that did it, so I don't know how computers smug. can be smug, Brandon. Well, they all seem smug sometimes, don't they? Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, the Cubs didn't do anything this off season, and I can understand, like you know, kind of knocking them for that. Um, I, like the Cubs didn't do anything, did they? I don't think they, they did anything. They extended Kyle Hendricks just yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and that'll go into our extension, extension fever 2019. But aside from adding anybody, no. Yeah, I mean they're kind of banking on Chris Bryant coming back from injury and being better, which is pretty good bet, pretty safe bet. Um, Who do they have playing? What are they doing at second? Um. Oh my God, I write about the Cubs. I should. I know. You know, they sent Ian Happ down. He's not going to start the season with them. And I don't know. Um, my God, I am yeah. embarrassed. Yeah, I can't remember who it is. Ah, that's all right. Why are you going to do this? Yeah, whatever. This to me, the uh, depth chart on MLB.com is bad request. So <laughs> I think that kind of sums up our life. Yeah, yeah. Might some, some maybe it sums up the Cubs. I don't know. I yeah, mean, the maybe. Cubs- the Cubs issue, you know, it's like they've got Brandon Morrow, who they wanted to be their closer, and he hasn't been able to stay on the field since they got him. Darvish basically lost another entire season last year, although he's looked good in, in the spring, from what I've heard. Um, you know, John Lester's getting older. Um, Jose Quintana is like kind of turned into that pitcher who's basically just like an average, 
like fifth starter at this point, maybe a little better than that. He, no, he I has... guess they still have Zobrist for second base. Oh, they do for a second. Oh, I was yeah. thinking of Jed Lowry went to the went to the Mets. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they've still got Zobrist, and they do have Hap. They can call up. Um, and, and Baez can play in a pinch. Yeah, Baez can play Bodie, anywhere. So they could use Bodie or Russell in shortstop, and uh, they could flip Baez to second if need be. So they've got some depth there. Yeah, and Javi, you know, Javi Baez is coming off just a, an incredible season where he finally broke out with the bat, um, kind of turned into a superstar. Um, so, you know, they still have a lot going for him. It's kind of, it's just, it's difficult to, to pin him last. I have, like, the reason I'm so down on the Cubs is almost just because I get, like, this weird, like, Theo Epstein, late period Boston Red Sox vibe where it just feels like there's there's kind of some friction now and, like, you know, there's less less happy and joy in the clubhouse. And I don't know, you know, it's, um, they're heading into Joe Madden's last year of his contract and they haven't extended him yet. Um, I don't know. I just, it just feels like there's something a little bit rotten in Chicago to me there. I'm not, I don't know. That's all just, you know, just my baseball writing intuition. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just still not thrilled with their handling of the, the Addison Russell situation, but and that kind of seemed to play into it too, because when all that was going on, um, they didn't play well, and it seemed like a lot of people were kind of upset on either side um, with how that was being handled. I don't know that that kind of thing can can divide a clubhouse a little bit, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's what happened, but it, it didn't feel good, that's for sure. And then they just said like, oh well, you know, he issued a nice statement and he apologized, and so he's back. He back. The end. Yeah. So it yeah. Goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that is going to be an interesting division, though. That you know, you could see you could see both wild card teams coming out of there. So that'll be one to keep an eye on. The NL East is going to be a dogfight too. Um, really, like those, you know, the AL East. Obviously, it's like a three man race with the Rays, Red Sox, and Yankees, and all the other divisions are kind of in that place where it just seems like there's one dominant team. But yeah, um, yeah the NL Central and East should be should probably be the two most interesting divisions. Um, those should be some dogfights. It's interesting seeing like the Braves in the NL East not, like not really getting any love from, from anybody because they didn't go, you know, add a player. They didn't really add any pitching. You know, they're just kind of going to keep dependent on the young guys to come up. And you know, they've got a lot of awesome pitching prospects, so I can understand them doing that. But it, I don't know, they're, like their schedule just seems weird that they've already got like. Dansby Swanson up and they got Acuna up last year and Albies, you know, maybe it's only one year early, but you kind of would have thought like they would, you know, once you get those guys up and they're playing that well, like start, start pushing. And it still feels like they're going to kind of lay in the cut this year and to see how things go until the deadline or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They could definitely, uh, they could definitely come out from the pack and take everybody down too. Um, the final thing we're going to talk about, yeah, is just sort of this, like, extension madness. Like, you know, Justin Verlander... Oh, it's gone crazy. Yeah, Justin Verlander was extended. And it all started kind of with Nolan Arenado, which was an extension, but it was really like... It was really like a new free agent contract that the Rockies gave him. Like, that was the one where you're not really going to get a discount because there's only one year left till free agency anyway. They decided they wanted him. You know, they locked, locked Arenado up for the long term. Um... But there, you know, it's just kind of followed after that where there's just been a ton. And we've seen, like, um, can you pronounce um, Brandon Lau's name again Lau. for me? <laughs> like, you know, Brandon just, Lau. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a good prospect, not a great one, but they went right out and locked him up for a really long time, which is kind of the Rays, you know, kind of the Rays MO. But, um, you know, it wasn't like he was, you know, like an elite prospect for very long. He kind of came into his own last year. So they kind of went nuts and did that, and then we saw the White Sox sign Eloy Jimenez for eight years. Well, before we're talking he's... about the Rays. Yeah, they extend. They did extend Blake Snell too. Yeah, Blake Snell as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he got, what, five years, 50 mil, I think, or something like that, or... Yeah, I think they got two extra years um, of control, yeah. and yeah, and they and they paid for it in his case. They actually did kind of shell out the money there. Um, Verlander got two more years at I think thirty-two or thirty-three million a year. Um, thirty-three, I think. Yeah, which is a smart move on on both sides there. I think like Verlander doesn't want to be tied anywhere long term. Um, he doesn't want to play for anybody who's not a contender, and you don't really know how the Astros are going to hold up. You know long term um this gives them like a three more three year window um they've still got forrest whitley coming up and several other good pitching prospects so it's not like they're going to be starving of pitching but obviously verlander doesn't want to tie in long term and probably the astros didn't after all the deals they've offered because they also went out and extended um alex bregman um for mm-hmm. the long term um and they spent a good good penny on that too so yeah they probably didn't want to push too far in um too long with verlander um you know he's you know our you know I don't know. In my opinion, like still the best pitcher in the AL last year, or, or damn close to it. He and Snell, you can take take either one. Um, but at thirty, going into his age thirty six season, you can see why no one would really want to lock him up that long. And Justin Verlander would not want to be locked down just in case everything goes bad there. He can escape. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so good deal for both sides there. Um, and then the granddaddy, of course, was Mike Trout. Um, you know, the Angels kind of had to wait until you know Manny Machado and Bryce Harper finally signed to set the market. Um, and that kind of seemed, those two deals seem to have kind of set this all off where it like reestablished a new market kind of level. And Mike Trout, you know, definitely left a good chunk of money, you know, maybe like $150 million um, on the table to stay there and hope that, you know, that, that they'll be able to spend some of that savings um, that yep. they got. If you, if 430 million can contain some savings, um, yeah, to, to make them a contender, because that's what he wants. He wants to win. He wants to stay there. And not um, not be bounced around, but in the end, like we could just list all these off: um, Goldschmidt, etc., which we mentioned earlier. Nola signed yeah. an extension with the Phillies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Nola too. That um, was one of the first ones. That was like in December, and I think everybody has forgotten about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And then and it's still going on because yeah, like you said, Kyle Hendricks today and Jacob Degrom as well, um, both got extended long term. So what do you think the impetus for all these extensions suddenly is with, you know, kind of we've talked about the labor situation um, quite a bit all winter long. And this is sort of an interesting development at the end of it. Um, I know it 100 percent what it's about. It's about guys looking at the free agent market the past two years and thinking I'd rather take a sure thing and have money in the bank than worry about signing myself a potential minor league or one year contract every year for the rest of my life. Yep. I think you're right. I mean, I really think that that's largely what it comes down to. I, you know, I think, you know, we kind of talked before about the fact that, okay, the CBA is going to get renegotiated in 2021. And then we had the league kind of come out, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago and say like, they understand, you know, like the labor issues are, are serious and, you know, th- there's a structural problem in the way guys are getting paid. That's got to be addressed. And Tony Clark from the MLBPA, you know, agreed with that. And they, you know, apparently going to start talking about the new CBA and starting to hammer out the details, um, maybe as as soon as this summer, um, which kind of changed my perspective on it because, you know, I kind of was was bracing for a huge fight and that could still happen. Um, But the fact that they kind of got to the point where, you know, that both sides at least recognize that the problem was there and and are going to try to be proactive, I thought sort of pushed some of those concerns back. And that's why some of these took me a little bit by surprise, because I kind of thought the players might might look at this and think like, okay, you know, once the new CBA is in place, 
maybe things, you know, maybe circumstances will be a little bit different and it'll be easier to get kind of your full value and free agency. But yeah, it really feels like um, maybe even it's more just like a quality of life issue. Like, you know, Mike Trout talked a lot about, you know, the stress of, you know, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, like not knowing what was what was going to happen and where they were going to go all off season. And then suddenly having to like pack your lives up and go um, or about other players who, you know, you thought would get paid and then got a one year deal and then got another one year deal on a different team. And these kind of veterans just sort of becoming, you know, kind of these, these hired guns. Um, he doesn't want any part of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really been striking. Cause I mean, it's just been after, after a long, slow off season of free agents, like the extensions that are being signed are just out of control. Um, you know, I mean, oh, everybody, crazy. everybody, but Nick Castellanos has been extended. It's amazing. Mm. And then of course Al releases statements where he's like, Oh yeah, I know he's thinking about it and I know we're thinking about it, but we're not talking about it or doing anything about it. Yeah. And that's where we are right now with that. It's like, yeah, some kind of telepathic negotiation. Psychic contract negotiations is where the tigers are at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Dubbin, uh, yeah. Kind of dubbed it that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just weird, just weird comments on that. And you just, kind of just wonder what's going on. I don't know. I mean, they, they obviously still think they're going to trade Nick for, for a big piece and somehow come... I don't, I don't think the piece is going to be that I big. You just think the J.D. Martinez, you know, situation two years ago would just tell them, like, that's not possible anymore unless, I don't know, unless, you know, there's there's a weird contender that just has a gigantic hole to fill. And even then, there's going to be someone else who's like, well, maybe this guy doesn't hit as well as Nick does, but he's more well-rounded. You know, I, it's just hard to see how you're going to leverage a big deal for Nick Castellanos from anybody. So, I don't know. I don't understand it. Yep. I, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me. I still think just extend the guy. Yep. Yep. That's what I think as well, especially if you can get a little bit of a deal. Um, I wish I could give credit to who I was talking to on Twitter about this. Um, but she was just kind of, she did kind of school me <laughs> with, the, with the point that, like, well, you could always just wait till, you know, wait till fall. And, um, you know, probably not that many people are going to be interested anyway. And maybe it all just works out then, too, which is true. Um, you know, it's not like I think... Was it, G- was it Gwendolyn who were having yeah, that, Gwendolyn like... Yeah, Gwendolyn kind of blew me up on I that one. I think it was the back and forth. And which is yeah, fair. Huge back and forth discussion on that. Yeah, she made really yeah, good points. Sure. Yep, and, you know, I think we both kind of like Nick, and I and I, it just kind of comes down to, like, yeah, you, when things get to the point where the guy's a free agent and all these options start to present themselves, you know, Nick is a Florida guy. Maybe he doesn't want to, you know, maybe he doesn't want to live in Detroit. Maybe there, you know, maybe there's a million other reasons where if you're not going to give him any certainty going forward right now, you know, he's just not going to be around. And we've talked about this at length. The Tigers do not have the bats in the farm system um, to, to rebuild this thing into a contender anytime in the near future. Um, They just don't. And that could change by via trade, um, via the draft, other things could happen. Someone could develop. Parker Meadows might just catch fire and become the you know superhuman Cody Bellinger dinger launcher that we would all like to see him be in a couple <laughs> of years. But um, but the bats aren't there, and we can't depend on Miguel Cabrera, um, you know, being the the heart of the order. So yeah, we I think we'd both still like to see them get Nick if they can get him for a reasonable price, and and know that you're going to have him and Kristen Stewart kind of in the center of the lineup, and then all these sort of you know, solid, like, one to three war type guys like Candelario and, and really Stewart falls under that, that rubric. But then you've got yep. Daz, Jake Rogers, Isaac Paredes, um, Nico Goodrum is sort of the utility guy. You've, you've kind of got that foundation then where you'd only need, like, you know, one or two really good players that they've got to, I don't know, maybe Chris will just I'd spend, spend some money in two years. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but if you let Nick Cassianos walk away, you know, you're really looking at a very, 
a very feeble offense again um, going going forward with no real sign of how to how to correct that. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, like if they could sign Nick Cassianos in free agency, there's probably someone else they could sign on a short term deal that wouldn't be too much worse a hitter and maybe would be more well rounded. Um, but I don't know. Maybe we just feel left out. Everybody else is getting extended. Poor Nick. You know, left by the I wayside. know they're handing him out, and then uh, you look at the Cubs. Cubs no extensions. You look at those; they just did because they had Hendricks. So even the Cubs did an extension. Yeah. So the Tigers are really just sitting here twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm trying to think if I, you know, like maybe Arizona didn't didn't offer anybody extension. One. Peer pressure, you guys. Come on. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I guess the Rangers probably haven't either, but the Rangers just don't really have too many people worth worth extending at this point either. No. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. You popped out a new pod or a new YouTube video today, and that was on spring training, right? You want to tell us about that one a little bit? It before was. We roll? Yeah, I covered. Yeah, I did um, a rundown of how spring training kind of was established in the late 1800s um, by the White Stockings, and they went down to uh, Hot Springs, Arizona, and they did their warm up there, and then had a really good season the next year. And so other teams were like, hmm, I see, you went somewhere warm for the spring and things went better for you. Um, so everybody kind of started filtering down to Arizona and then the establishment of the two different spring leagues. And there was like a whole weird racist history in a weird way behind the establishment of the Cactus League in oh. that Bill, Bill Vec apparently had a really unpleasant experience where he got kicked out of the colored section of a uh, spring training game in Ocala, Ocala, <laughs> Florida, and did not take kindly to that. He was just like, how dare security turn this into a race issue? Ah. And was like, I'm, I'm going to take my team elsewhere. And he didn't take the Brewers, who were his team at the time, but then he ended up buying the Indians later. I wish I had problems like this. Oh, not that team, but the other baseball team I owned. That's racist. Um, I'm buying he, the Indians. <laughs> oh my that's God, I didn't a, even know. I didn't quite even a make that. Yeah. But yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and so he, because he was, I think it's honestly uh, more because he was living in Tucson and was like, yeah, oh, bring him down. Tucson's lovely this time of year. Oh, yeah. um, so that's the establishment of the Cactus League. But I get oh, into the I whole no thing. Idea. That's cool. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you could learn by watching my videos. So I kind of talk about the history of it and what it is and where each of the teams plays and how if you value your sanity and time in a car, you're better off going to Cactus League games. <laughs> because yeah. they are literally all in a circle around Phoenix. Whereas, as I learned the hard way, um, going to Florida, you will literally be driving around the state if you <laughs> want to get to any games. Yeah. So, on the same, like, two and then I did a couple clips. A million other people. Yeah. And then I included a couple clips from my trip to Florida, some fun stuff from George M. Steinbrenner, including a Aaron Judge home run. Um, and a couple other fun clips of that. You will learn very quickly why I am not a camera person um, because I definitely did not capture that Aaron Judge home run in its substantial glory. But um, yeah, it's it's a fun one. So, And then I have one coming out on Thursday and I've already scheduled it and put it up and I can't remember what it is. Oh, it's offense versus defense. I explain what the difference is in baseball. Oh, right on. Yeah, cuz yeah, well, and you did a lot of episodes. I know you like actually got quite a few like roughly produced already, so yeah. So yeah, yeah well, you can I've look forward to a lot of content out there. Yeah. Yeah, every Tuesday, Thursday there'll be a new episode. Yeah, you know the I I, I didn't really think about this either. Um I for some reason like I studied American history and then when I really came back to baseball, maybe like 
I don't know, 12 years ago or so. I, I just, like, I still find myself making these connections like, oh, oh, yeah. Because, like, moving baseball to the West Coast, you know, it's just hard to imagine in America where California wasn't sort of like the big time. But in those days, like back in the 20s, you know, 10s, 30s, even California was no big deal. And, you know, those of you who've read The Grapes of Wrath <laughs> kind of know, like, how, how things played out and why California started to become the place that it was. But it's such a hotbed I... of baseball talent now that it just makes perfect sense that there'd be, you know, there'd be spring training closer there than anywhere. And it's kind of hard to imagine a time when it, when it wasn't really that way. Uh, I did discover something. I did record an episode for the history of the Atlanta Braves this past weekend. Um, I'm trying to do these 10 minute history episodes and oh my God, hitting 10 minutes of history is very hard. Um, like it's, it's, you want to do so much more, but you're just like mm, this three decade span was very good for this team. Onward we go. Um, <laughs> one thing I discovered, it was actually the Braves who kind of were the, the leaders of that whole exodus to other markets because the Braves were for originally from Boston and they left and moved to Milwaukee and after seeing them have such tremendous success in Milwaukee, that's when you saw teams like the Dodgers and the Giants and uh, the A's all look at that and go, oh, we could probably try different markets. And within five years of that Braves move, all of these other teams had begun moving to new markets. Oh, yeah. Was that, pre, so, so. Was that pre-World War II or right after? After. Yeah. Because that's that the other thing. The 50s? Yeah. I want to say they moved in fifty. Yeah. And that's another part of it is that so many service people ended up going through California, you know, like people from everywhere else in the country kind of all got their taste of the West Coast, you know, by being in the the armed forces and then came back and decided that they were going to live there. And that, yeah, and that was another big part of the boom. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And that was they actually... They built a ton of very inexpensive housing out in California, too. It was just like, come and stay, and built all of these like little ranch-style houses everywhere so that they could have that population boom. And uh, that was a big part of it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were all kinds of innovative like sort of housing developments and you know people trying to play off of like Frank Lloyd Wright, kind of you know his like single-family home designs and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that kind of plays right into um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the book about the Golden State Killer. Because <laughs> we have to have a serial killer mention. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't not have mentioned serial killers at some point in our podcast. That's I was going to go with the Black Dahlia since we were out on the West Coast right there. But yeah, I was like, oh no, that plays right into I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Do you want to know an interesting Black Dahlia fact, Brandon? Sure, because yes I do. I'm not only a history nerd, but also a true crime nerd. And a mystery um, writer, yeah. And a mystery writer. Um, in the Black Dahlia era of old Hollywood, because this is like one of my favorite history eras. I, I'm obsessed with like 1930s through 50s old Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Um, there was this newspaper writer who covered the crime desk and her name was Aggie Underwood. And she was often like the first on the crime scene and she would write about these grisly murders and everything like that. And there's this rumor that in the case of at least one other murder, what she did to kind of give it a little bit more of lurid detail was that she literally took a flower off the table at a diner and like tossed it onto the victim uh. and was just like, oh, she's like the white like something murder. And so I think like a lot of people think that the Black Dahlia thing actually came from her too. Oh, that's and interesting. Yeah. It's also been suggested that apparently she knew who the killer was and almost took it to her grave and I think admitted it only to one other person. Um, oh, that's interesting. Um, but if you read more about the 
Black Dahlia, I think it's actually solved. Like, people are fairly sure they know who actually did it. Um, oh, really? And it was, okay. like, this shady doctor who apparently had quite an obsession for women that looked a lot like um, the woman who was killed in that murder whose name is escaping me right now. Yeah, I can't remember it either. Was it Elizabeth? Um... Elizabeth Short. Yeah. Short? Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Yeah, thank you. She was like a Betty or something. Yeah. Oh, but, that's uh, a, oh yeah, total Betty, for sure. Aw. Or maybe a Veronica. Um, terrible. Yeah, Elizabeth Short. Um, but yeah, so interesting facts. There's a whole like um, book about it written by this guy's son. So all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, that's really interesting because it kind of goes into the whole, I mean, to, to go back, to take it back to I'll Be Gone in the Dark, like one of the big things about that book and about Michelle McNamara's McNamara's research into it is that she's the one who named this killer who you know had committed crimes in various different places that had kind of been almost named differently and and really put it all together called him the Golden State Killer and and kind of and it's just weird how that that publicity angle kind of works because like you said with um ah with who is the 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 Black Dahlia journalist oh Aggie Underwood yeah like how you know you're kind of you, you draw attention to the case and hope that it gets solved by kind of giving it that, you know, that stylized the, the point extra to detail. It. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also exploitative and how those, those two kind of forces interact is really weird and, and interesting. Yeah. And journalism it's, in almost anything, not just in terms of like, yeah, yeah. Serial killer journalism, but yeah, it just stands out there because those, you know, those points that make one killer kind of stand out and, and get all this attention and, you know, all this pressure gets put on the local DAs and the mayors and, you know, mm-hmm. and the police force. Whereas, you know, these other kind of like more diffused, you know, crimes that don't really kind of have like a hook uh, um, to put it. Or if they're working in a different neighborhood, like there was a serial killer who I think worked for over 25 years in a predominantly like black and Latino neighborhood in California. And almost nobody cared. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's not pretty blonde white girls getting killed, it's almost like it doesn't get the attention that it deserves, which is kind of depressing. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Or it, or it needs, or it needs like a, you know, it has to be sold as a story to get everyone scared and, you know, worked up enough to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because if your reaction to it is that could be me or that could be somebody I know, you're more likely to be like, Oh, something must be done. Um, Whereas if you're like, Oh, that's somebody else's problem. Right. And it's very... That's those people's problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's a drag. Well, there you go, folks. What a cheerful conclusion. Come for baseball, stay for the, the serial killer interlude at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to kind of get back before we wrap it up, um, well, this, this will wrap it up. Our coverage, um, you know, we, we kind of have like a system that we go through every year. Like we had our predictions post yesterday. Um, we're going to have a post up tomorrow. Um, where we'll kind of all introduce ourselves a little bit, um, and uh, and a lot of the our regular readers and commenters, um, a lot of people who listen to this podcast already know this, no doubt. Um, but but that post will be up tomorrow, so come by and say hi. Um, there there have been you know numerous like marriages that have been forged in the comment sections of <laughs> of Bless You Boys over the mm-hmm. years, um, and and people you know making friends for life. Um, it's a really really good community. Um, it's 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 one of the reasons why this place is just so much fun to write for and to be a part of um is just because the people who you know have kind of gathered around the fire and and been around for a long time and we've all gotten to know each other um and we're always open welcoming in new people so hopefully we'll see a bunch of new folks um show up tomorrow on that post and 
within, you know, by the time you read this, that will be up, or by the time you listen to this tomorrow, that post will be up, and we will be one day away from actual live baseball, and I am stoked. That's what I need. That's got to happen. I need it. Real, regular season baseball. Played in a dome. Yep. Yep, take it on the Blue Jays for the, for the first thing. So, yep, that's, um, that's what we all got to look forward to, and that's going to do it for tonight. Ashley, uh, thanks, thanks for stopping by, as always. You're welcome. Good to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, check out Ashley's YouTube channel. Follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter, um, and you can also find her YouTube channel under that same header. You can find me at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter, and that will do it for tonight. Thanks. Everybody have a good night. Bye. Bye.